To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. John 1, verse 12 and 13. Welcome to Canaan Bound Podcast, a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey. Canaan Bound Podcast features devotional segments by pastors serving in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, along with church history, mission news, and music by various Christian artists who support our teaching. I'm Philip Wells, and this is episode number 91. We begin today with the Canaan Bound Devotion with Pastor Tom Barthel. Born again, to become children of God. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. John 1, 12-13 Does anyone ever get to choose into which family they are born? When children are born, they become part of a family. Like it or not, they are made to be participants in all the family traditions, outings, and chores. All believers are spiritually born again as children in God's family. Just as we are unable to choose our first birth, we are unable to choose this spiritual birth. You are, by the Spirit's working, among those who believed in Jesus' name. Believing in his name means trusting all the promises he has made and what Jesus has done for us by his life, death, and resurrection. Believing in his name means trusting he now reigns and will come back to take us to be with him. Jesus gives all who believe in his name the right and privilege of being children born of God, not by human decision, but born of God. Through this new birth, you enjoy all the blessings of being God's children. You will live with God forever. He has a place in heaven prepared for you, his child. He will wipe every tear and care for you, as no earthly father ever could. He has given this new life to you. You have been born again. To him be thanks and praise. Lord, help me always to find comfort knowing that your own Son, Jesus, has given me the right to be part of your household. Keep the blessings of being your child always before my eyes, that I may always rejoice in my status as part of your family. And now, Of the Father's Love Begotten, by Branches Band, from their album, Behold. Oh, that birth forever 
Now we join Pastor Mark Falk with another look at 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1 verse 2, grace and peace. Grace and peace be yours in abundance, NIV 1984. There are some words in scripture that we just need to know. They are more than words, they are diamonds, jewels that make us rich. Grace and peace are among the best. Grace and peace show up at the beginning of Paul's letters. Here they flow from the pen of Peter and the heart of the Holy Spirit. Once we know what fills these words, they fill us with joy. Grace comes from the outside and lives outside of us in the heart of God. In a phrase, it is God's undeserved love and kindness. We are inclined to think of law and rules and gaining God's favor by obedience. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth come through Jesus. God's law demands and demands and demands some more. But it is not the last word. God wants to be known as the God who wants all to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Indeed, you can find law anywhere. You can find law truths in Hinduism, in Buddhism, in Native American thought. Often a Christian may nod in approval to some of the wisdom found in Christless religions. But the great lie is that we have the ability, the freedom of a holy, or at least a neutral, will to choose and do what is right. We choose law. We lose. Not that God does not want holy living and obedience to every eternal precept that the Bible proclaims, but we cannot be holy. So the world pretty much agrees on some form of law. And then what is true becomes perversely 
false in the way that sinners use it, for it is not the final truth of God. For that, we need grace. And we need to see God's grace displayed in the life and death of his Son. As strange as Christians may be to the world, the Christ they follow, if he is properly understood, is stranger still. He embodies grace. He is God's love in human form, taking on himself God's anger against sin. He does not fight the cross or resign himself unwillingly to his fate. He marches to the cross. This is the decisive battle, and he wins it. This is grace. Peace comes with grace. How often do all sinners have a sense of disquiet, of anxiety, the absence of peace? We can meditate. We can do that breathing thing. We can exercise to release the good chemicals in the brain. We find a small measure of peace of mind. But anxiety always returns until that external thing called grace from God enters our hearts to produce faith. With faith comes a peace that surpasses all human understanding. Like grace, peace with God begins outside of us. The human race has always been at war with God. But the angels in, the Bethel, in Bethlehem declare peace, peace on earth, peace with God. When the epistles repeatedly speak grace and peace to the people of the first century and now to us as well, this is no pious wish. This is the proclamation of what God has done in Christ. From our Father's gracious heart has flowed peace. In Peter it is literally multiplied to us, ours in abundance through Christ and the words of the Holy Spirit. And now we join Pastor Timothy Smith with God's Word for You. God's Word for You, Job 30, uh, continuing uh, from chapters 25 down to verse 31, Job says, Have I not wept for those in trouble? Has not my soul grieved for the poor? Yet when I hoped for good, evil came. When I looked for sight, then darkness came. The churning inside me never stops. Days of suffering confront me. I go about blackened, but not by the sun. I stand up in the assembly and cry for help. I have become a brother of jackals, a companion of owls. My skin grows black and peels, and my body burns with fever. My lyre is turned to mourning, and my pipe to the sound of wailing. Job's suffering must have been intense. He was churning inside with pain in his blackened and peeling skin, burning with fever. This was the devil kinking Job when he was down. In verse 29, Job says he has a lot in common with the creatures who cry out in the night. I am brother to the tanin, he says. Tanin is a jackal in the NIV, but many translations see a reference to tanin, a kind of a dragon-like sea monster like Rahab in Job 26 where the Tanin or the great sea monster was sometimes also a nickname for Egypt. Ezekiel says that in Ezekiel 29. Job could be referring to a scary monster from ghost stories without claiming any truth to the stories. I cry out like a sea monster would be like one of us saying he had feet like Bigfoot. In the second part of verse 29, he says, I am a companion of the daughter of wailing, a term usually in in the Bible more for an ostrich than an owl. In Lamentations 4, the same imagery is used. And in Micah 1.8, 
the ostrich hisses and cackles and makes a sound in the darkness that's utterly unrecognizable. It's terrifying. Job is so far out of his society that his only companions are the scary noises in the night. As Job mourns, he has one, left, one thing left to say. He will turn to this in his final speech in chapter 31. Um, but Job's pain was an agony that never rested. Maybe you have pain like Job's, physical pain that that terrifies you, that never goes away, or a loved one might be suffering in that way. If that's the case, don't be afraid to share the comfort of God's word. Don't think that the message of the gospel is ever too weak to help or too trite to comfort. God permitted Job to suffer precisely to show him that Job could only turn to God for help to test his faith and through testing to build his faith up even stronger. When we suffer here on earth, even death isn't the end. That Paul said to the Romans, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share his sufferings in order that we also may share in his glory. We're prepared to give some things up. Business advantages, a quicker profit, maybe the satisfaction of some sinful impulse. We're prepared to give those things up in order to worship and glorify Christ. In this way, our testing is only the, 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 the fat being fried off our sinful bacon. When we think about what Jesus suffered to rescue us from our sins, those other things of ours that gain nothing in heaven but praise his name, are worth every scintilla of pain because they praise our Savior. We so imperfectly bless Jesus because of the perfect blessings he has given to us. But we continue to bless him day by day and remember that his blessings come every moment of our lives. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's word for you. We end today with Comfort, Comfort, All My People, a song by Koine from their album, Church Bells. Speak to all Jerusalem Of the peace that waits for them Tell them that their sins are covered That their warfare now is God, comfort those who sit in darkness, groaning from their sorrows alone.
voices crying in the desert far and near, calling people to repentance. You have been listening to episode 91 of Canaan Bound Podcast. This podcast was first shared in December of 2014. Visit CanaanBoundPodcast.com to find links to the artists featured in this show or to find out how you can support the ministry of the Wells and the artists featured on this podcast. Once again, my name is Philip Wells. It was a privilege to be your host for this episode. We encourage you to visit wells.net to find a Wells ministry location near you. Thank you for listening.